In our last episode, we heard about Mimi's culinary adventure in Australia, but after returning home, disaster struck, and she began to struggle with alcohol and comfort eating. You started gaining weight almost immediately after mom passed. Yes, and a lot of that was just <clears throat> comfort eating. Um, we, we were also ordering in a ton. You know, that was the whole, like, support your local restaurants. That's when Uber Eats and everything really took off was during COVID, this idea of, like, everyone went to food delivery. So we were trying to, like, support our restaurants. I remember we were ordering in dinner, like, a couple times a week. So we were even though we weren't leaving the house, we were eating a lot more like restaurant food. I wasn't preparing as much food at home. I was drinking a ton more. I mean, I just, you know, every night it was just kind of like, how can I just numb these horrible feelings inside of myself so I can go to sleep? So I can just fall asleep tonight. And then, you know, I'd be miserable in the morning and I would drag myself through another day with the crabby kids and crabby us stuck in the house, nowhere to go, no one to see eating, you know, crappy food, and that, I mean, just ad nauseum. It started hitting me sort of, I guess it was in the summer, and I started thinking to myself, like, oh my goodness, here I am with this, like, six-month-old baby, and all these kids that I desperately prayed for and wanted, I'm so unhappy. I'm so miserable. I felt uncomfortable in my skin. I, I, I was reaching a breaking point. Was there a moment where you felt like you kind of hit rock bottom? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started, you know, in the summer, I started really kind of thinking about that. And then in the fall, I was like, okay, I have to do something. Like, I, I have to do something. And and for me, like, drinking was the real, like, that was the key for me. Because I felt so, like, enslaved to it. Like, habitually enslaved to it. It wasn't like, I didn't have to get up in the morning and crack a beer, you know. I wasn't, you know, falling down the stairs. I, I wasn't, like, a functioning alcoholic, but it had become this habitual thing that I needed in order to have some relief from my life. And so in the fall, I started doing these like deals with myself. During the week, I'll only drink beer and I'll only have bourbon on the weekends. And then I like wouldn't be able to stick to it. Or I would say like, well, I'm not going to drink at all during the week. I'll only drink on the weekends. And man, it'd be Wednesday night and I'd be like, ah, screw it. And at a certain point, I, I was able to step outside of myself after like, I think it was probably like September, October, and look at this and be like, okay, I am not controlling this. This is controlling me. And I will say, there is nothing that motivates me more than when I feel like I don't have control over something because I love control. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not you. I love it so much. I, I love to like micro control everything. And I'm always working on that because that's unhealthy too. I realized that I had lost grip of this part of my life. As a person who's like an all or nothing person, I, I realized I was sort of suffering through this silently. And I realized that I was not going to be able to get through this alone. I remember you sort of collapsed. It was heartbreaking, and, and, and I was trying to do everything I could to support you, but this was this was just one of those things that, like, you know, nobody can help you. Right. But I needed accountability, and I think that was the thing, is that I needed to to say out loud, I'm having a problem with this, and I'm not good at that. I'm not good at admitting that I'm having a problem with anything. No, <laughs> not you. Here's, here's never, <laughs> never. Here's the part where you guys get to find out all of my flaws and faults, of which there are, are many. But um, I, I think for me, 
admitting it was half the battle. Admitting it, saying, like, this is becoming a problem that I don't feel like I have control over. Yeah, I remember I remember the morning you came into my office to talk to me about it. Yeah, and, that was very you were, difficult. You were, I mean, you're not a crier. And, and, and you were pretty broken. Yeah, uh, it was just, it had reached such a point that I just wasn't sure what to do. I just wasn't sure what to do. You know, I was like Googling things, you know, of like, you know, what do you do? What, you know, how, what, where do you get help? Like, how do you accomplish something like this? And, and, you know, of course, you're the first person, like, who else would I go to, right? I mean, you're like the best friend. You were amazing. You, you were firm with me and you, um, you know, I think one of the best things was that, you know, you were like, I'll do whatever you need help with. I'll help you in whatever way, but you have to go get therapy. You have to go get help. Um, and I had needed that for years, which was also hard because hello COVID and a lot of practices were not seeing people, you know, in office. And so, um, I did find, um, a, a local practice and I was seeing someone via zoom, which was okay. It wasn't great. Um, and, and you were very helpful. You poured out all the alcohol in the house and you were just kind of like, you know, whatever you need, I'll be here. And it wasn't like I was going through DTs or anything. I wasn't, you know, like, you know, I wasn't drinking so much that I had to like, you know, go through some sort of detox, but it was just, it had become like such an unhealthy coping mechanism I had forgotten how to do life without it. You were not a lot of fun to be around. The first 30 days were really rough. I mean, it was really rough. I just, because, you know, the thing about what alcohol did for me was that it just, anytime something got uncomfortable, it would just take the edge off. And there was a lot of uncomfortable in, in my, in myself at that point. I mean, there was 35 years of uncomfortable. And so, you know, the therapy was helpful and allowed me to at least start like verbalizing some of the things, um, things that, you know, I mean, it's like, you just don't even think about, like, you're like going back to childhood. You're like, oh, and yeah. And then, then that happened. And then this happened. And then that happened. And then after a while you look at the therapist and they're just looking at you like, oh my gosh. And you're like, wait, maybe there is a good reason that I feel so, you know, messed up. Maybe actually having both of your parents die within five years of the same disease, like, is a lot. Maybe, you know, like, okay, maybe it's okay that I'm, you know, struggling. Yeah, I remember you coming home after, like, the third session and telling me, like, I, I think I'm traumatizing my therapist. <laughs> I did. She was a really nice girl. And I think, yeah, I did think, I think I was a lot. I think I was a lot for her. But it was still helpful. It was just helpful to start peeling the layers back. I also found a resource online, and it was called The Alcohol Experiment. And it was a 30-day program. It's free that you could sign up for, and it would send you like a daily thought prompt or a writing prompt where you could blog some of your thoughts and feelings about not drinking. And then there would be videos that would sort of explain from a scientific perspective, like, you know, what are some of your preconceived notions that it helps you relax? Well, yeah, you know, and then it would say like, well, actually, this is what it does inside your body. It actually raises your cortisol levels, which makes you feel more anxiety once the cortisol levels drop. And I'm a very like, you know, I love explanations like that. And so that was really helpful for me to actually start to see w the damage it was doing inside my body, just in general, you know, not, not, not even the emotional part of it where it was like, you know, numbing everything and I wasn't dealing with any of my problems, but like how it was raising my blood pressure and how it was, 
you know, causing me to gain weight. And that was super helpful. And there was also a Facebook group, like a support group, and I joined that. And so, you know, there was, it was a multi-pronged approach, basically. And I also didn't, I didn't go into it saying like, that's it, I'm never going to drink again. I think I was like, I'm going to do 30 days. And then I got to 30 days, and I felt a lot better. The first 30 days were pretty tough. And it wasn't even tough, like, withdrawal symptoms or anything. It's just habitual, right? I mean, I could tell you right when it hit five o'clock, I'm in the middle of starting to prep dinner, the kids are starting to lose the plot, and I would just be like, I need a glass of something. But I found that if I had a glass of kombucha or a juice, like in a wine glass, I felt the same way as if I would have been having a glass of wine. A lot of it was just the idea that I was doing something for myself in the chaos, that I was stopping to acknowledge myself and take care of myself. And so that was, it was just interesting to kind of observe how my habits changed. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do 60 days. I'm going to go to the end of the year. And by the time I hit 60 days at the end of 2020, as like hitting New Year's, my physical well-being, I felt so much better that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do a full year. I'm going to just 2021 alcohol free, not a drop. And I made myself a, a calendar where you colored in a little tiny piece of each day. And I hung it up on my pantry door and... I was just like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Now, I will say during that first 30 days and then the 60 days, you know, you're having cravings because you, you know, it's five o'clock and you're like, oh man, I need something. I'm uncomfortable. And I was doing the therapy and it was helpful, but I was allowing myself to eat whatever I wanted because I was really just looking for comfort, you know, as I'm giving up this one crutch, you know? And so at that point over those 60 days, my weight went up to its absolute highest and none of my pants fit anymore. And I remember going to Kroger and just buying like the biggest size leggings they had and like pouring myself into them and coming up on the new year, I was like, oh my gosh, I've, I've done the alcohol. I'm going to be alcohol free this year, but I literally have never felt so awful. So where did you peak out at? So 255. It was 2.55 and going. Like, I mean, there was no end in sight. I, I thought, like, I traded in this one thing that was so bad for me, and I'm just doing something else that's so bad for me. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're barely five foot one. I mean, I was basically round. I'm just <laughs> a circle, a sphere. Uh, what's, you know, a, a ball. It was just a ball with, like, hands and feet coming out, like in one of those comics. You know, I kind of decided, like, all right, here we go. 2021, I am, you know, I'm, I'm not drinking anymore, so I have the whole year here with no alcohol, and I have to do something. I have to do something. And I had a couple friends who were doing a program called iFit. There's a fantastic local lady here in northern Kentucky, Kim Waits, and she runs a, a program. It's an amazing program, Intentionally Fit, iFit. And a couple of people that I knew were doing it and were posting a lot about it. People that I knew that had issues losing weight and they were losing weight and they were not just saying like, wow, I took this pill and I dropped this much weight. They were saying like, I can eat all the things that I ate before, but I'm learning new ways to fuel my body. The, the things that they were saying were so positive. There was no food off limits. They didn't hate themselves. It didn't feel like a punishment. They were joyful in this process. And I think that's really what attracted me to it. The idea that it wasn't some crash diet or fad program 
where you had to cut out an entire food group and make yourself miserable. That it was this idea that like you could live your life and do this as part of your life and it could work for you. So this is here. This is the point where your, your journey for weight loss started. Yeah. It's frustrating paying for mail order meals that taste like cafeteria food. So say goodbye to paying for blah and hello to Mimi's Macros, where flavor meets convenience. Mimi ensures that every dish is a culinary masterpiece. In fact, Mimi is so confident that you will love her food that there are no subscriptions and no minimums. That's right, you can order as little or as much as you want with no obligations. Visit Mimi'sMacros.com to check delivery availability in your area. Mimi's Macros. Let us do the cooking. You focus on life. How did you turn this into a reality? How did it actually kind of start? Well, you know, I had done a lot of different programs and diets, and I would come to you and say, I'm going to do this thing where I eat only this, or I need to spend $120 a month for this package of shakes and powders that I'm going to mix up and, and drink. Uh, and of course, none of them ever panned out into anything because every diet and program that I had ever tried was restrictive and punishing. You can't keep that up. Right. And I was always waiting for the all bacon diet and that one just <laughs> never came along. Unfortunately, no. After a couple of weeks when you lose the water weight from the carbs, then, you know, you're still just eating a lot of calories. They're just not coming from carbs. But yeah, I remember coming to you. I remember, I think it was I think we were getting ready to go to bed and we were getting into our pajamas and I kind of brought it up. And I think you were a little hesitant about it, but you, of course, were very gracious. So I signed up for the first round of that year. Yeah. And just for the record there, I want to want to kind of say something about that, which is that, you know, you said you were, you were very gracious about it. And what I didn't want to do is do something that would make you stop trying. Right. You know, you've always been my biggest cheerleader, no matter what I do. And so I signed up for that first round. Um, all of Kim's, uh, programs, they're six week rounds, which is such a great amount of time. Like four weeks isn't quite enough. I think two months would be too long. It's like six weeks is perfect. So I went in trying to forget everything that I ever thought I knew about dieting and food. I'm going to have no preconceived notions. I'm going to go into this with my eyes open. And instead of looking at the caloric intake of something, which is what I had always looked at before, and this time, really the calories weren't important. It was about how many grams of protein each day, how many grams of fat, how many grams of fiber, which was really important. No one had ever talked to me about fiber before, and how many grams of carbs. So you could eat two donuts in the morning, you just might have a lower carb dinner that evening because you kind of, you know, hit the majority of your carbs earlier in the day. So that was the thing is that there was absolutely nothing off limits. You could eat whatever you wanted. You just had to structure your day so that by the end of the day, you were hitting your goals. So I went to Walmart and I went up and down every aisle. I think I took about two and a half hours and just started picking up random containers of things that I had never eaten before, looking for things that were higher protein, just shopping with the idea in mind of what can I bring into my diet that will complement meals in different ways and, and different things that I can eat that'll be interesting, that'll meet these specific macro goals every day. So I kind of settled into a routine and I, and I was finding all these foods that were delicious and I was, you know, working within this framework and I was having success. 
like actual real success. And the other thing is that you take pictures. That was very difficult for me, but I am so grateful now when I look back at those starting pictures, I'm so grateful that I have them because it really on the days when I'm unfocused or I'm struggling or I'm having body dysmorphia and I feel like I haven't lost any weight at all, I can go back and look at those photos and it's super, super important. So at the end of the six weeks, I think I had lost upwards of 10 pounds Mm -hmm. and not just 10 pounds, but inches. I was actually seeing my waistline come down and my my hips come down. And I took pictures at the end of the six weeks and I had a, a noticeable difference at the end of six weeks. But the most amazing thing about it was that I wasn't burnt out on what I was eating. I didn't feel punished. I felt like I'm really excited to go into the next round and do this again because it's easy. You know, after six weeks of this, I wasn't having to sit down with a pad of paper and a pen like I was at the beginning and meticulously figure out what my menu was going to be like for the week. I was able to sort of make changes on the fly because I knew, oh, well, if I eat this at this meal, well, I can just sub that out for the next meal and I'll add in maybe a half of a baked potato tonight and that'll get my carbs where they need to be. I was able to to just start visualizing food as fuel. It was all enjoyable, and I really liked what I was eating. My mindset started to shift about the food, that it wasn't a punishment, it wasn't a reward, it was the specific algorithm almost that I had to hit with what foods I was eating, and as long as I plugged in the right foods and it hit the right numbers, I was losing weight. And that, to me, was just mind-boggling that I got to the end of a six-week quote unquote diet, you know, in my, in my mind, the first round, I was thinking like, well, I'm doing this diet, but it's not. I I realized at the end of six weeks, this was just a complete and total lifestyle change and mindset shift that I could keep doing long-term and have success. So what was it that made you decide to add the exercise? It was in the beginning of the second six week round, Kim had posted about a boot camp that was starting at a local gym. So it's Juggernaut Fitness in Florence, owned by Jagger Holbrook. And there was a physicality that was missing that I was not going to get to the goals that I wanted if I didn't start moving my body. And I sometimes feel like I have two people living inside my brain. The me who doesn't like to do stuff like that. And then the, the sneaky me literally clicked on the link, filled everything out on the Google form and made the Venmo payment within the first five seconds of having seen the post. And then I had like instant terror and regret. (laughs) What have I done? Yes. Because I, I knew, I mean, I knew I was so out of shape. I had not really exercised as an adult in years. And even when I was exercising as an adult, I was walking, you know, I was fast walking on a treadmill. I was not doing, I was not lifting weights. And this was just the next domino that followed. I definitely had a good excuse to not go because the very first boot camp, there was a terrible, terrible snowstorm. I had this battle of wills going all day that was like, no one would expect you to be there. The weather's way too bad. Most people aren't going to come. You should just stay home. You can start another day. But then that part of me that, you know, quickly signed up before the other part of me could talk myself out of it was sort of like, you're not afraid of driving in the snow. And if you don't go tonight, when will you go? And so I just went. I had no workout clothes. I didn't own a sports bra. I didn't own 
appropriate footwear. I didn't own workout leggings. And I was waiting for more people to show up and no one else showed up. So instead of it being this giant group setting, I showed up and this was like a one-on-one workout session and it was leg day. You know, we did like three sets of 10 squats and then we ran the stairs. So just one, one flight of stairs up and down. We came back down. We did, I think, three sets of 10 squats, ran the stairs. So this is very basic. I mean, this is just body weight exercise. I, you know, when I think about it now, you know, the amount that I can squat now and the amount that I can run now and, and all of these things. But I, I think back to that, you know, 85 pounds ago and imagining that like on my body right now, putting an 80 pound vest on me and having me run up a flight of stairs. I mean, I I can't even imagine how how heavy that would be. But that was me when I started. And by the third time we were running up and down those stairs, I couldn't. I was walking up them and I was using the handrails to pull myself up. And this was just like the first 15, 15 minutes of class. And I was having just these thoughts of what have, what have I done? What? This is so bad. Like, this is so bad. And of course, they were all so supportive and so wonderful and so gracious. I think that was always one of my fears, having people watch me or make fun of me or mock me just because of what a beginner I was. But there was none of that. There was nothing other than just, you've got this, you can do this, we're behind you, we're, you know, I will push you up the stairs if I need to, like, we are going to get this done. And I went home and I was in so much pain. (laughs) I couldn't carry the kids up and down the stairs, but I went back purely, I think, because of the environment. Say goodbye to guilt from feeding your family drive through and hello to Mimi's macros. Mimi, our master chef, crafts meals that kids love, making dinnertime a breeze. No more settling for fast food or delivery. Treat your family to wholesome goodness. Visit Mimi'sMacros.com to check delivery availability in your area. You can order as little or as much as you want with no obligations. Mimi's Macros. Let us do the cooking. You focus on life. This was the point where everything that you had learned in Australia, all of a sudden, this stuff just kind of started to come together. I wasn't at the point yet where I was really pulling on all of the things that I learned and all of the techniques that I learned, but I was certainly pulling on my food background and my knowledge just of how to combine ingredients. Like, oh, if I have this ingredient, but I roast it first, that'll bring out its natural sweetness. And that'll balance out the fact that this is a saltier thing. And it'll be really delicious. But I don't have to add sugar and sacrifice those carbs because I'm going to pull the natural sugar out of whatever food that I'm eating by cooking it a certain way. You know, by, you know, you caramelize onions, they're sweeter than if you just eat them plain. So just things like that, like just the intrinsic knowledge that I had about food was helping me when I was meal prepping for myself. I would do these boot camps and I would be burning a lot of calories and I would feel absolutely sick afterwards. But by the time I got home, I was so hungry, I was much more likely to make poor choices. So that's when like the idea of prepping became important to me. Um, I started creating like a lexicon of, of really good recipes, really solid recipes that I was pretty proud of. And Kim was just dead set. She was like, we need a meal prep company that does like macros, stuff for my community, we need someone to do meal prep. You should do this. Well, and, and I remember 
you would go in and you would do personal training and then you had half an hour, 45 minutes before your boot camp. And so you started making those meals and taking them with you and microwaving them there. And then you're sitting in the waiting room in the front and you're eating these things and people are coming over going... Well, that smells really good. What do you you got there? You know? Well, I would. I would bring this food in and it would just, I mean, it would smell delicious. Um, So yeah, there was, there was a lot of attention and interest for sure. And I just thought, I'm just going to create this little thing where I put a menu out every week and then people from the gym can order, you know, their five or 10 meals or whatever it is. and, And I'll make them and I'll deliver them to the gym. So Kim was basically like, hey, we're having this get together at the gym and there was going to be a grill out and I think there was a dodgeball game or a kickball game. And it was kind of like a an open house for the gym. And she was like, you know, this would be a perfect day. This is just this is the perfect day. You should just have something available. Just, you know, get some paper menus out, bring some samples of your food. And I was like, oh, OK. And I think we had kind of decided on this like four days before the open house And I remember sitting down and I thought, I guess I should make a logo or something. And I guess I should have a name. So I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my laptop. And I think at a certain point, because you're the creative one, I said, like, what do you think about Mimi's macros? And you were like, hmm, that's cute. I like it. So I, I mean, I looked at, you know, free clip art. And I mean, I, I spent a couple hours going through it and I found clip art and I, gave that information to you and let you work your wonders on, you know, a a logo for me. And I came up with a a brief menu just on paper and I printed, you know, 20 of them. And then I put together maybe six different menu options and I did about like six of each one. So I, I rocked up to this open house and I was like, hey, I make these egg cups and I make you know, this chicken salad and it's pretty good and it's really high protein. And if you like it, you can order from me. And Kim is taking some pictures and she's like, hey, I'm going to post this on Facebook. What's your Facebook page? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't have one. And I remember I just sat down really quickly on one of the big tractor tires and I created a Facebook page really quickly just so she had something to link. And that's how it began. I would get Facebook messages with people's orders and then I would respond with their total and they would Venmo me. And then I would, you know, prep everything and I would take it to the gym or people could pick it up at my house. But it got more complicated that because I remember then people were texting you and then some people were emailing you and there was all these different ways that people were trying to get this to you and it just started to get like just unmanageable yeah. and you were afraid that you were going to miss someone's order or yes. mess something up. Yeah, and I, and I did actually. I found a message from someone who had ordered. It was a small order and I just whipped it up. I had the ingredients to do it and, and so I was able to fulfill the order but I will never forget that like heart sinking feeling of realizing that someone here was you know counting on these meals for the week and I had not made them because I had just lost their message in the jumble of all the other messages. And it was a terrible feeling. I'm a perfectionist. I like everything to be perfect. And so that's when I came to you and said, hey, I need some way to do like packing slips so I can see 
what each person ordered so that when it's time to pack their bag, I can more easily pull out what I need to pull out. And you started doing the research for me and found a great solution and said like, hey, I can do this and it'll, you know, it'll generate a a packing slip. But even better, people can just pay on the website and then, you know, you'll just, you can see as the orders come in and you have one place to track it and it'll take the payments for you and you won't have to do any of this. And then at the end, there's a packing slip. And I was like, fantastic, sign me up. So let's just kind of circle back. How was the weight loss progressing as you did this? Yeah. So, I mean, it was just slow and steady. I was working out and I was counting my macros. At this point, I was down around 30 pounds by that summer when the meal prep business was really taking off. And I loved that feeling. And so this, as I was starting the meal prep business, all of these things were coalescing together. I was becoming good at exercise. I was becoming somewhat athletic. And there's there's something I want to note here is that you had reached the point where people were coming up to you at church and just saying, oh my gosh, you look so good. People we hadn't seen for a while, they would see you and they would do a double take. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? And I think that that was that moment of victory. It's hard to even put into words how many things were changing all at the same time. So number one, my experience with exercise was changing from always feeling like it was a punishment in the past. It felt so good. And I started realizing if I would skip a week, my mental health would suffer. So that was changing. My, my relationship to exercise and body movement was changing. My relationship with food was still changing as I was continuing to, to do Intentionally Fit with Kim as I was coaching on this stuff, as I was developing recipes, as I was cooking all of these healthy things and finding this is really where the joy started coming up when I started doing recipe development, where I would think like, oh, I want to take French toast and make it super healthy. And I would just imagine people eating this French toast out of this container and being like, how can I be eating this? It's so delicious. And yet there's 35 grams of protein in it, you know, like turning keys on joy that I hadn't had around food in a really long time. Yeah. And I think, I think something that's interesting to note here is if we go all the way back to the first podcast, you know, where you started from and how it was this feeling of like, you know, my body's out of control. I don't have any control over my body. Food is my enemy and also a guilty pleasure. I'm angry at myself and you had so much grief from the loss of your parents. All of that stuff was going on at once. Now, here we are. You now find yourself in control of your body for the first time. You now have a healthy relationship with food. You have incredible culinary skills with that food exercise is starting to feel almost like a reward and all of the grief and other things that you had said you know i'm just kind of jamming this stuff down and i don't deal with it now you're you're able to talk about it we're literally looking at this 180 degree turn from where you started out at i was in an unsustainable place there was so much inside that was so awful and traumatic and painful that I couldn't just live with it. I had to do something. And if I wasn't going to drink bourbon and shove it down, and I wasn't going to eat half a chocolate cake and shove it down, I had to do something. And so it was this multi-pronged approach that started healing this relationship and 
almost made me into a completely different person. And then out of that blossomed this company that you never really intended to start. And then six months later, we're having to find a commercial kitchen to get you into. All of this stuff has really sort of come to fruition that you were aiming for in the very beginning. Yeah. You know, once people had a website to share and I started getting sort of a process down for myself, orders just continually rose. My order volume went up week by week. At that point, uh, you went ahead and incorporated the company for me and trademarked to everything and, you know, got everything set up legally. Um, and that's... <laughs> that was the point when we had five refrigerators in our garage. Yes. <laughs> and I remember going around to the side of the house and looking at the electricity meter and it was just like spinning like a Frisbee, man. Just, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, I was definitely outgrowing. I was outgrowing the house. I needed, I needed an actual commercial kitchen. And I came across the incubator kitchen down in Newport, really liked it. And right after we toured it, I uh, got an email out of the blue from one of my brothers saying, hey, I saw this in the news and I thought of you. And it was a link to a grant program, incidentally, run by the incubator kitchen. Mm -hmm. And the deadline was in like four days. And so I remember forwarding it to you and you filled out all the information for me because you were kind of doing all my back end stuff. I was drowning just in the cooking portion of things. And I heard back from Rachel, who uh, runs the kitchen just within a couple weeks, and she kind of interviewed me and had some questions about my business and said, you know, we'll let you know in a couple days. And the next day I had an email saying, congratulations, you are a grant winner. Orders were continuing to rise, and, and I started marketing, and I realized I needed staff. And I remember it was a real period of growth and bootstrapping and sure. just, you know, band-aids and rubber bands and you know whatever it took to make it yeah, work but you know i mean my business is debt free and it's yeah. been it, it has been debt free this whole time and so um a lot of that is part of it is that you know if i could get it for cheaper then i would get it for cheaper and if it just meant that i had to you know put some more elbow grease into it and you were great about you know helping me with that as well i was just i was going to make it work one way or the other because at this point you know, I had drivers who were running routes for me every week and they relied on that income. And then I had staff. And once I had staff and they were making a paycheck, there was a great level of responsibility that came with that. The success of the business was no longer just about me. It was about me and the people that I was paying. I was pregnant uh, that year uh, with my last baby. And I get very, very sick through my pregnancies. And this last one was absolutely the worst. And I was not able to work out. I was not able to take in the amount of calories that I needed in order to work out. So I stepped back. Now, at the same time, I was losing weight because I'm very, right. very, very ill in my pregnancies. So I was continuing to, to drop weight. And I got to the point at the end of that summer, um, I, I was down about 50 pounds. Right. At that, and... There was just a lot going on. Um, that was when you sort of started your business and, you know, I had the baby and I had my business that I was trying to grow and everything was, was good. Everything was really settled into the way the kitchen ran and, and the joy of creating the food. And I was able to bring, you know, as I started developing recipes, I was bringing more and more of my technique into play. And mm -hmm. that's been super fun. That's, and that's still something that I'm, I'm always pushing myself to, 
to create things that are just another level above? Or how do I make this in such a cool way or an interesting way or this these great flavor combinations? I'll think of stuff in the middle of the night and I have multiple recipe creation notepads going. I have a physical notepad. I have notes on my phone. I have, you know, spreadsheets going of different recipe ideas. That part has continued to be fun and is just getting more and more fun, honestly, as I as I go forward in this. But I had Timmy at the end of August and I went from being super ill, of course, being pregnant and then starting my breastfeeding journey with him. And as happened with all of my other kids, the weight started coming back on immediately. And I quickly got back on my macros. I got updated numbers from Kim for breastfeeding. I hopped back on around. I was like, okay, I'm not this is not going to happen this time because with all of my other kids, I would lose a bunch of weight during pregnancy. And then as I was breastfeeding, it would just start ballooning up. And I was like, I'm determined this time. I'm going to get back in the gym. I'm going to be, you know, tracking my macros again. Like it's, this is not, it's not going to happen this time. And it did not matter what I was doing. It was creeping on five pounds at a time. And I was just watching that scale go up. And I just became so frustrated. I I went right back to that same feeling of, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. My body wants to be at at this higher weight around 230. And it's just not happy unless it's there. And that's when I came to you and said, I think I really want to do bariatric surgery. Because everything that I can do to get my weight down is a tool. And I don't think that you just get one tool or two tools. Like you can use a lot of tools. You can use all the tools at your disposal. And I'm also at the point now where it's like, you know, if you, if you've been buying my food and then you don't want to buy my food because I had bariatric surgery, I guess like there's nothing I can do about Mm. that. There's nothing I can say that would change anybody's mind. And I need to be as small as I can get myself in a healthy way. For me, that looked like becoming sober. And then it looked like gastric sleeve surgery. And then it looked, it might look like weight loss medication in the future to get me down even further to, you know, towards my goals. I want to be mentally healthy. I want to be physically healthy. I've been able to lose about 40 pounds since the surgery, which is fantastic, which brings me down, you know, about 85 pounds now combined with intentionally fit, counting macros, surgery, everything else. And I would like to lose another 40. My story is a lot like many people's stories out there where they have damaged relationships with food or they don't feel comfortable in their body or they feel like exercise is a chore or a punishment Or maybe they're on the cusp of bariatric surgery and they're not sure whether to step off that ledge or not. Or they've never heard what a macros is and they're stuck in a binge and diet cycle yo-yoing up and down. And I feel like if I can be more honest about my own journey that's not even over, if I can share more, if I can speak more, and if I can be more vocal, then I can impact those people and maybe show them some hope, show them a light, you know, maybe get them hooked up with Kim's program or maybe, you know, get them hooked up with some food that can, you know, set them on the right path, show them that eating healthy doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be a punishment. So if there's somebody out there right now who's stuck in that place, like you felt like you were stuck in listening right now, what would you say to them? You have to take the first step. You have to take the first step and you have to realize that doing these things 
It's a gift to yourself. And so, dear listeners, this brings us up to date with Mimi's journey. But I'm sure you understand when I say that it's probably far from over. In the coming weeks, months, and hopefully years, she'll be here talking about food, exercise, and interviewing people who have also been through an incredible journey. We hope you'll join us every Monday. Thanks for listening.